is your Classic Metal Show right here on theclassicmetalshow.com. That, of course, brand new stuff from the Sons of Apollo. The name of that song is Asphyxiation. That is from the new release MMXX or 2020. And on the line right now, a guy that will probably choke the shit out of me if I don't do a good interview with him, the one and only vocalist of the Sons of Apollo. It's Mr. Jeff Scott Soto. Jeff, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Listen to that radio voice of yours, man. It's just <laughs> awesome. I, I always people always say, "Man, Jeff, you, you got such a cool speaking voice. You should you should go on radio. You should do that." I don't have that kind of voice. You got to be excited. You got to be amped. You got to be pumped up. <laughs> you just, you, you're pumping me up. <laughs> you, gotta, you just got to turn it on. Although I'm always excitable, so it's it, it's not a stretch <laughs> for me. But well, I'll tell you what's not a stretch for you, my friend, and that is recording fantastic tunes dude i mean i don't care what band it is i don't care what label is on it if your name is on it it has a level of quality that very few have and certainly sons of apollo might be the premier band of all of them that you do dude you that means so much to me i mean that's it's one of the dreams growing up when you're a you're young budding artist and you're you know you have your influence you have your your uh your inspirations of who you want to be and who you aspire to be and, you know, even somebody like Freddie Mercury or Steve Perry, you're young and you just go, man, that voice is so distinguishable. It's, it's so, as soon as you hear one note coming out of that person's mouth, you know it's them. And someday I want to be like that. I want to be just like that. I want to I have a, the kind of voice that as soon as I start singing, people know it's me and they, they appreciate it and they understand it. And, you know, and that's, that's what I've been aspiring for since I was a kid, you know, sure. when I realized this is what I want to do for a living. You don't think that you're there now? I think a lot of people can pick your voice out before they can pick the band that you're in out. Well, you know, it, I, I, I stay humble enough to, to always be shooting for that because once you feel you've gotten there, once you feel you've reached any goals, then you, you kind of just say, all right, what's next? So right. I, I always shoot. I just keep shooting for that star, you know, and it, uh, I don't think I'll ever get it in my head. I hear you, man. Well, dude, uh, you certainly have something that you can be proud of here with this latest release with Sons of Apollo with um, MMXX or what are we calling this? MMXX or 2020 or what? <laughs> it's so funny. Here we go again. I, you know, all those albums I did with Wet and yep. everybody keeps calling it WET just because it's got the dots after it. Right. It can go either way. You can call it whatever you want to call it based on how you see it. It is for all intents and purposes 2020. It's it's based on the year that we're in. It's based on it being one of the first records of 2020. And obviously we're just capitalizing on the whole numeral, uh, Roman numeral thing based on Sons of Apollo being uh, a kind of an ancient Roman kind of uh, sure. name and vibe. So that's what we're capitalizing on. That's why we use the Roman numerals to, to emphasize the 2020. But you, you can call it whatever you want. Nice. Just just call it, call it in your collection, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just don't call it download torrent. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, man, um, I guess the 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 way this record goes is if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, you guys, this yeah. is this is not only a worthy follow up. I mean, if you would have just released these eight songs with you know the the last record, I don't think anybody would notice a tremendous difference. But there is some definite growth. I think you guys have definitely gelled more songwriting wise and um you know I, I songs even like asphyxiation that we just played you guys play a little bit better off of each other more maybe more the instrumental guys than you but it just feels like as a whole you guys really grew without changing the formula to to try to grow does that make sense 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you say that because uh, so far most of the interviews I'm doing, they're asking what are the, how do you differentiate the first from the second, or did we did we try to do something different from the first? And I and I say absolutely not. We didn't want to. We, we're trying to continue to build the brand here. And why would we change or go to a, another kind of vibe or or try to reach for something that, uh, that that's too different from what we did? I, I, and to be honest with you, I totally agree with you. If we put these two albums together. Um, one like a double album. It, to me, it's like Van Halen one and Van Halen two. You put those two together, they could have released it as a double album because they sound like they they're within the same context of each other as the band was building, and that's exactly what we did. We we discussed this early on, but making record two, we don't want to stray too far away from the. I don't want to say formula. We don't really have a formula. Right. We basically write and record music that makes us excited and happy because we've already done the other things where we're trying to guess what people want. And now it's all about something that we that we can look at each other and go, man, this is badass. Let's, let's see if anybody else likes it. Sure. And that's exactly what we did with this album. No. I, I, I agree with you on the uh, the vibe and the, uh, the bouncing off of each other, but I got to be honest, on this album, I feel a little more at home. I'm a, I'm a little more in my shoes okay. in terms of personality and vibe-wise of, of what I do as, as I do it. I just feel there's more of me in the uh, in the actual vocal performances. Now, Jeff, I've known you for a very long time, and like you said at the beginning, you're a humble guy. When you first came into this band, and and let's face it, you know, take yourself out of the picture for a minute. This is a superstars right. of superstars band. When you first right. come into this band, was it was there an intimidation factor that maybe now that you've toured and you've written two records together and recorded two records together? that maybe has, has worn off to where you guys are more friends and boys than you might've been when you first started this. Well, yeah, there might've been that if I didn't already have relationships with these guys, okay. I didn't have working relationships with them. And you're absolutely right on that. It took, it took us touring and, and truly creating the chemistry that we built on stage to get to this point of where making the second record was more, a little more at ease, but Having known, I mean, I've known Billy since 1985. I've known, uh, you know, most of my career, almost all of my career. Right. Um, the only one I had the least uh, relationship or even knowledge of was Bumblefoot. And he's such a nice guy. W within the first year of knowing him, I feel like I've known him all my life. So I knew all these guys. I've, I've, I've already been associated with them in some way, shape, or, or form. But putting the band together, if, if I, if I was complete outsider and just meeting them, of course there would have been that intimidation factor of like, what the hell am I doing here? Uh, luckily that wasn't the case. It was more about hunkering down and figuring out exactly what we we're going to do with this band. And as he said, by us touring and spending an entire year on the road together, we were able to now harness that aspect of now and knowing the guys for so long, and putting the, the second record was a no-brainer. It was kind of like, now I know what we're going for, and now I know what, what I should be aiming for, especially melodically and lyrically. I, I knew exactly where my role stood in the band, whereas before I was kind of like, well, what are we doing? Are we, are we doing the best of Mr. Big, the best of Winery Dogs, the right. best of Dream Theater, you know? And, and that wasn't the case at all. The last thing we wanted to do was try to combine all those influences and try to make this one big clusterfuck of everything we've already done. We wanted to create something that was us that had our stamp. You know, and, and, and it's interesting that you bring that up because for anybody that listens to Sons of Apollo, while you certainly can hear just because, you know, everybody in the band was pretty, it was pretty much a standout in another band. 
to where you can hear elements of what they did. You never pick up on anything and say, well, that's a, and you know, the obvious one is dream theater. You never, you never hear and say, well, that's an obvious dream theater rip, or that's an obvious Mr. Big rip. It, it really has its own energy and its own flavor, you know, from song to song for both records. Well, if anything, we do get the, the majority of the, the uh, comparisons are to Dream Theater, and and that's that's obvious. You know, mm-hmm. Mike was a major component, not only as a drummer and and the the uh, arrangements to that band, but he also was a writer. So he was he was able to harness what those guys were bringing in as musicians, and 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 you know, kind of corral them into what those guys built as a band. So clearly, that influence is massively a part of that. And of course, the the one record that Derek did with them. He's got that behind him. So right. you put those two together and naturally they, they borrow from what they created together on that, that one record they did together. But overall, it's, you know, it, it's our own thing. And I'm so happy. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked with the new album. I, I love some of the songs almost. That, that, that last piece that we do on the record, the 16-minute song, right. for me, that's my Bohemian Rhapsody. That's like, that's like my creme de la creme, the, the, the toward the forest of my career. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very nice. Well, Jeff, let me ask you one, and I'm going to make an assumption here, which you can tell me is is extremely wrong, but I'm going to make an assumption to ask the question. I'm, right. I, I'm as you know, I'm very, very aware of your career. And certainly yes, in sir. your own career, you are a creative, you know, force. I mean, you, you literally are always writing and creating music day, night, year, month, whatever. It doesn't matter. You always <laughs> are creating music. So you, you are what I would consider to be a hyper creative person at the same time. Well, <laughs> well, I, I mean, honestly, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a no brainer. It's kind of sure. like breathing. I get right. You. At the same time. So are most of, if not all of the guys in sons of Apollo, which leads me to wonder how difficult it is for each person to get enough of themselves into a, a, whether it's a song or a release or whatnot of sons of Apollo, just because you guys are all so creative that I would imagine that there is a little bit of bumping heads and banging heads when you're putting together material because you're just not used to not being the full creative force of the material. You're, you're right. And you're wrong. Okay. Um, Again, in in other circumstances, I might feel that I need to put more input. I I might feel I need to be more involved. But to be honest, I know where my position lies in this band. I know basically we stepped into this thing knowing that Mike and Derek were the captains of this ship. Now, going into that knowing this, you you know you're not going to – there's not even any point in trying to – of course, I've argued a, a couple of different things that I felt strongly about, and they've stuck. But that's the, that's exactly what we've agreed upon in this band. If you're really, really gung ho about something, if you're going to fight to the to the death about something, then it's going to stick. It's going to be yours. If it's something like, well, it can go either way, then it's usually going to be vetoed out, and you're going to you're going to go with the other ideas. And I'm good with that. I, I have enough on my plate that I'm 1000% in control of a situation or 80% of a situation. And this, we, we try to keep it as equal as possible, but in the end we have two captains that are, that are overseeing the thing and saying, we kind of have an idea of what's best for this band. So let's, let's everybody kind of focus on that more so than saying, 
hey, I've been doing this for so long. What do you know about writing a hit song? Right. You know, all of that's left at the door. The, the egos are pretty much in check. And I think that's what makes this band work. And that's what made these two records uh, as good as they are, because we didn't try to overstep the, the ideals of what this band is supposed to be about. Sure. And, you know, it's, it, it's easy. It's, it's so much easier to say, okay, we have five chefs in the kitchen and let, let's see which one, which chef is going to stand up for it. Or just everybody compromise and say, these two know what's best for this particular situation. Let's follow their lead and let's, let's try to make the most of it. Well, and it's definitely working. Uh, I mean, the Sons of Apollo, the first record, the, the uh, Psychotic Symphony, certainly you guys had significant success. And as I remember when I interviewed you about it, you know, before it had even come out, you were hoping people liked it. You were not convinced right. that it was going to be successful, successful, and it has become right. that. Are you, are you surprised now, looking back, you know, a year and a half, two records or two and a half years and two records later, are you surprised at the success and the, the level of people that have gravitated to it? I'm not surprised by anything, but I also don't have any expectations of anything. All we can do is what we do and we hope it sticks. And that's, you know, that's the way I built my entire career. I, I have no expectations because as soon as you have expectations of anything, you're going to be let down. If, if something's a sleeper hit, if something takes off and you just assume, like I said, I hope people like it and then people do like it. It's, it's a nice thing. It's a nice reward to, to actually go home with, as opposed to saying, Oh, I knew that was going to happen. I, I, I don't know where that ego comes from. I, I've never had it. And I, I don't think I ever will not, especially not at this point in my career. I just, I just literally every single thing I do, it's like making a movie or a TV show or anything. You put it out there and you just hope people resonate towards it. And if they don't, you have to obviously think about what you did wrong or what you did, or maybe what somebody else did wrong, whether it's the promotion end of things or you, you'll drive yourself crazy trying to harness that. Right. All you can do is something that you feel good about and hope it, it translates over. No question. Well, Jeff, let's talk about the one song that is I know is really personal to you, and that's Desolate July. Uh, certainly yeah. major league emotional song, not only for you, but I know I know, you know, several of the guys, if not all the guys knew knew David Z, you know, but yeah. certainly he was he was almost a brother to you. You know, yeah. for you, A, talk talk a little bit about writing that song and putting it out there in public and and maybe talk a little bit about how how you make the decision of how much of your personal real world emotion you will put out there because you've done that before you know and oh, that, absolutely and, and other people there there's a lot of people that would never do that well uh for starters mike and david knew each other way longer than i knew david i mean david became a brother because we were bandmates right um i knew david basically from my involvement with trans orchestra you know, he was the bass player on the East Coast production. So we would see each other every year at uh, at rehearsals. And then when both bands split to start the tours, that's all I would see of David until he actually joined my band as a, my, my solo band, which eventually turned into Soto. Um, obviously, we get, we became very close and David was a, he was a co-member of Soto. He wasn't just my bass player or hired gun. Mm -hmm. So we, we got to know each other in so many aspects of both music and hanging out and, and just personally with, with music 
being our, our creative bond. Um, so this meant a lot to both Mike and I more so than the other guys in the band because Billy had a – he just met David when uh, when Soto was opening for Winery Dogs on a South American tour. Uh, I think Bubblefoot kind of knew David, and, and to be honest, I don't think Derek really knew David at all. But as anybody who knows David or knew David, he was such – a driving force as a person. He was such a unique individual that every single person loved him. Not one person could say, not one that I've ever met could say anything bad about this guy or anything, um, you know, criticizing about him. He right. was just an amazing human being. When I heard this song, when Derek first played this song to me, even just the, the initial stages of it, the piano part, it put me in that, that mood. I listened to the, the track and I'm like, oh my God, this... This reminds me of something I have to write as a tribute to my brother. And uh, yeah, it was very difficult to write. It was, it was very difficult to sing. Even on the, on the video that we shot for it, I had to wear sunglasses and I was tearing up while we were shooting it because uh, it, it's just so emotional. And now we're going to have to perform it live. And that's, uh, you know, that's going to be the next factor of, of this particular song. But in the end, it, uh, I, I found that we agreed that it should be a tribute to David. We could have done it on the Soto album because that would have made more sense, but we did something else for David on the Soto record. And I wanted this to be on another platform with other people that knew David, that we wanted to make sure that the the rest of the world got to see and hear our tribute to him. Certainly, man. And it is, it's, it's such a, such a heavy song, you know, and, and, it, yeah. and it's an odd, it, it's almost like the odd song on the record because the record is fast. You know, for for lack of right. a better ter- term, it's it's a fast record, and then that one yeah, just yeah, yeah. comes with such emotion and po- you know, there's a power in the in the movement of it. You know what I mean? There's there's as much of a power in the the slowdown and move the motion that you took it in as there would be if right. you just tried to write almost like a death metal song. You know, you you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, right, and that was the thing. You know, with with ballads, you. You can go one of two ways. I mean, ballads in general, and we call that our, I guess you want to call it a ballad. It's, it's got to be emotional in some way. So clearly, instead of going the obvious way of of writing about a relationship or a broken relationship, it sounded, it sounded very eerie. It sounded very uh, emotional. So I wanted to put an emotion behind that particular track. And it's funny, we, as we were just talking about, you know, heads butting or, or rubbing the wrong way, that originally when I turned in the lyric and I turned in the melody that Derek, who's one of the co-producers on the record, he didn't like the title Desolate July. He said, I love the lyrics. I love what you did with it. I think we can come up with a stronger title. And I said, I'm sorry. This, that title means more to me than the actual song itself, because every time July comes around, that was the month that we lost David. Right. I feel, de- I feel empty and desolate inside. So that, describes the song to a T it describes my feeling. It describes many, the many that knew him to a T. So that had to be the title and I fought for it and I won it because I felt so strongly about it. But it's a, it's a, I don't know if, if it feels good to hear that it's a great song, but it is a great song, you know? Thank you. Um, let's talk about the, the rest of the year, Jeff, uh, 2020. Um, you're obviously going to be doing this, this, mid-sized run i guess i don't want to call it short or long but it's not a super long oh tour. it's short <laughs> you know i mean it's it's, it's it's much shorter than the first tour is there are there more dates beyond this or no or just is it scheduling at the what? moment at the moment no we when we first 
jumped out of the gate. We bit off a lot more than we could chew. I mean, it, go, it harkens back to uh, what you said earlier about expecting this thing to just fly out of the gate. Right. And the powers that be, the people we were working with, expected and thought exactly that. So they booked this massive thing, and they didn't realize that we had a lot of building to do before we, we should have been on the road for that long. There were a few hits and misses on the tour. There were mm -hmm. some, some audiences that just didn't show up or didn't get it. So we were playing to half-empty houses in some gigs. And, and so we decided, let's just harness the ones that we that, that were, were stronger. Let's, let's go hit the markets that we knew we would do well in, as opposed to, okay, one night is this and one night is that. And we, we just wanted the focus to be a little, a little tighter. From that, I think it's better to get, to get out there and, and just hit it hard and hit it and quit it, so to speak. Right. Because from that, we're, I think we're going to be able to, uh, it's going to make more sense in, in the long run. I, I don't want to say, uh, I don't want to say anything negative about the, about the situation, but I think we were out too long based on the numbers and based on the interest that was there at the time. I would rather bring it back, hone it back and just, concentrate on the ones that we know are going to be there and let the other ones build. So when we go out, we can actually go out and everything kind of be a little more equal to each other. And that's exactly what we did with this one. That's why it's a little shorter. We want to see where the interest is, if there's interest out there, and then we're going to base it on that. So what you're telling me is that I need to get in the car and come to Michigan instead of waiting for a Cleveland. Game. <laughs> um, I think that's pretty much what I'm saying. We, we need to we need to make sure that people are ready and wanting us more than than we want to be out there and playing in front of nobody who's not ready and wanting us. Right, I hear you, man. Well, dude, um, you are never one to release one record in a year. So, what else is coming from you? Well, uh, <laughs> I literally just I I got home from the Trans Siberian Orchestra tour uh, on December 31st. I celebrated New Year's Eve, and I basically took January 1st off. January 2nd, I was off and running again. I, I just finished the last vocal of my new solo album yesterday. I had two weeks at home to basically knock out 11 songs, and I just finished my 11th song yesterday. And I have a show this weekend, so um, I had to get it done before this show. And then we start rehearsals, and we hit the tour next week for Sons of Apollo. So I here, when I thought I was going to come home and rest for two weeks, I was working on a new solo record for Frontiers Records. It's going to be coming out later this year. And I just got an email this morning that we are working on a new wet album that, <laughs> geez, it's, they're asking me, hey, do you think you can get all your vocals knocked out before the end of June? I'm like, have you seen my schedule yet? <laughs> are you guys nuts? <laughs> so I said there might be a way to, to pocket in some, uh, some work in between that time, but let's not put that, that, that time cap the end of June because I, I, I want to be able to sing and, and put the quality behind it instead of rushing through it. I don't feel I rushed my solo record because it was, I wrote all the, all the ideas when I was on the Trans-Siberian Orchestra tour. I'm singing one song, coming backstage and finishing a lyric and then going back and finishing the rest of the set with TSO. That's how I did the new solo record. Jeez. So I had the ideas already there. I just had to come home and knock them out. And luckily, my voice was strong enough to do so. You're not going to hear, oh, geez, I wish he'd taken a month off before he sang this thing. Right. But I want to put a little more effort into the uh, into the wet album because that's something that's more collaborative thing. And that's it. I'm I'm, wor I'm working on those two records this year. I don't know when the wet record will be out, but uh, 
shit, I don't even know if I should be talking about it. We haven't even announced that we're working on a new record, but I guess I kind of just did. And, uh, and that's it. I'm, I, I just want to finish these two records off and the rest of the year, I just want to concentrate on Sons of Apollo and, and uh, see what else is going to happen later, the latter part of the year. Very cool, man. Well, for everybody that's listening, the new album is called 2020 or MMXX. Pick your pick your title and go find it and go get it. It is Sons of Apollo. And Jeff, uh, you know the drill, man. As a tradition on the show, we always wrap the interview up with a uh, a song of your choosing from the record. And maybe tell us a quick story about it. Well, I don't know if you can play a 16-minute song like this. I can. We can. <laughs> go ahead. That thing is, it, it, it's such a beast. It's such a monster. It's, that's the kitchen sink song. It's got everything in it. Um, that's a uh, new world today. That's the, the last song on the album. It's 16 minutes long and it truly is just an epic ride of what this band is all about. It's, it's the, the playing, the performances on it are insane. And lyrically it, because it's got so many different facets and so many different sections, the, the lyrics, exactly that. It's about the world that we live in today. It's about the whole PC generation of, you know, politically correct. It's about, it, it is a segment is, is a, if you take a knee, are you a fraud? And there's uh, so many people that are talking about in this country that they don't, they're not true Americans. So there's a line that says, oh, say, I can't see. So there's all kinds of lyrical nuggets in there that have to do with what we're seeing and what and how we're seeing the world today but mainly focusing on america right well let's check it out right now this is new world today it is sons of apollo right here on your classic metal show <laughs> 